Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. So, yesterday was a unique day here in church. Yeah, we had baptisms. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, and I thought it was a really good day um, for multiple reasons. But um, what I think is cool about baptism, I had before service. um, So my second oldest son got baptized yesterday, Nathan. And so before service, I I saw a friend, and he was like, so are you nervous? Asked me that. And I was like... Not really. Um, I mean, I'm really excited and and just very joyful that my son has made the decision to do this, but I'm not really nervous. And, and what I told him is, I think one of my favorite stories in the Bible, or it's not even a story, but one of my favorite um, parts of Paul's writings are just when he talks about baptism. And yeah. he is like, basically what he said without me opening the Bible and reading it, if I put it in my own language, what Paul said is like, you guys are making baptism out to be this way too complicated thing. I mean, you can do it anytime, anywhere. You can do it in that muddy puddle over there. You can do it in that pond over there. Yeah. You can do it anytime. Yeah. And basically that's what baptism is, is like when you feel that... Um, that you've come to that point where you just have to make a public proclamation of your faith. That's yeah. what baptism is. Absolutely. Should we introduce our guest for today? Yeah. Do you want to or do you want me to? You can. All right. This is Leslie Cower. You want to say hi? Hi. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. We're excited. She is our office admin, but she does a lot more than that. Um, and we, we just felt like it's great to get those perspectives there I know we got really great feedback when we had Mike on and so um, we thought uh, we had mentioned once we have one of the Leslie's on so this is Leslie number one I guess that we're gonna have on and so uh, we're excited and so welcome thanks thank for joining us thank you thank you for having me absolutely I'm honored to well, drink coffee with you two gentlemen that is true we should have the only problem is is we've already had some really good conversation before this and we should have <laughs> been recording i don't know it was it was bird conversation i don't know really good is like i don't know if i can Come go on. there with you it was really oh, good oh man there's got to be someone who listens to this well i guess the bird lover is yes. Yeah, I'm right here. <laughs> Somebody is like, I finally feel seen. And everybody else is like, what are they talking? Well, that's what we, we weren't recording. So if we, if, if we happen to slide back into bird conversation now, it'll be, it'll be on there. Well, we're not in my office today, so we're not going to get interrupted by the bird clock. Right. But we but we did find out in this conversation that if that thing ever goes missing, we know who took it. <laughs> it is Leslie Cower. <laughs> but we are, we are in my office here at the church, and our church admin is here. So we may be interrupted. There may be that's someone true. who knocks on the door and is like, hey, I need to talk to Pastor. And we might, so we'll deal with that if it comes. Mm-hmm. But, um, but no, we're just excited to have you on. And I know it's... 
one of the things that we felt um, strongly about is we didn't want this just to be a um, bro club podcast. We want this, you know, we happen to be two guys, but our hope is that everybody can really be a part of this and feel like they're getting something out of this. So I think um, this is this is a great step for us, too, to hear some perspectives that aren't straight from men all the time. Well, and I think... Um the conversation that you and I, Leslie, had right when I walked in the door, I think is really relevant for how we started this recording, mm-hmm. baptism. And yeah. and so we started out just talking about family and kids. Mm-hmm. And I, what I really thought about yesterday was like, the reason watching your child choose to be baptized is so meaningful is because the first thing we do with that child is we we dedicate them and and we basically say like we're going to show we are committing to showing this child the way mm-hmm. and we're doing it in front of everyone else in our church family and we're hoping that these people also invest in that and come alongside and help yeah. Yeah. and and it's often a thankless job showing children the way mm-hmm. and let me even broaden this out and say not just children, but any child of God, which can be anyone at any age who needs to be shown the way. We are all, as believers, called to show other believers the way, whether it's our kids or someone else in the church. And there's not often, with anything in life, we, we want occasional things that somehow indicate whether we're achieving that goal Mm -hmm. or not Mm -hmm. and so baptism to me is one of those it's a tangible way of showing that all of that effort is doing something yeah i think i think what even yesterday when i was talking through it with the congregation because i want to make sure they understood it i think a, a missing part of a baptism sometimes is the idea of and it goes very similar to like dedicating is it is more about accountability you're standing up in front of people saying you can hold me accountable to this and that's why you know when I baptize people and there's a hundred ways to do it and I'm not saying my way is right but I make the person say not just that they believe in Jesus but that they're willing to obey what is asked because to declare that in front of your peers is giving them the right to then hold you accountable that you said, you declared publicly that you were going to obey. And so when you go through those seasons where you don't really feel like obeying because it's not fun, you have given people around you the, the opportunity and the permission to say, hey, like you said that you were going to obey God. You declared that. You, that was a vow you made. Um, and I think that that's huge for all of those kind of public declarations that we do. That's a big part of it is, yes, the celebration is great, but you're also then giving people the permission to hold you accountable to what you said. I think it's the same with like a, like a wedding or whatever. Is like you stood in front of people and said that you were going to do this, 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 and this. And so um, I think that matters, and I think that there's a level of accountability that it gives um, to the rest of the congregation to, to sharpen you as you walk through your faith journey. Mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite parts that you mentioned this yesterday was how so many people shared 
that they had been raised in the church. Every single one. Every ten single out of one. ten of our people, when I asked how long have you been a Christian, I was raised going to church. That's amazing. And then to just have, again, agree that, that mile marker to say, mm-hmm. I... I want to choose to step out more. I want I want more. I want to say this is my marker. Whether you know you're Nathan's age or however old you are. I think it was so cool to see people say something has changed. I'm more hungry. I want more of this real Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was just so exciting and contagious, for, I think, for everyone to celebrate with them and even say, okay, am I continuing to move forward in my faith, whether I need help, someone to walk alongside of me, or to get it myself. Mm-hmm. I hope it was just a true inspiration to all of us yesterday to really say, yeah, even that, yeah, I agree. Are we going to obey what Jesus asks? There's so much benefit for us as the believer in that obedience. Absolutely. Well, and it's, I read out of Matthew 28, and it's like, that's right, kind of like our core Jesus saying, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And oftentimes that's how, as much as you hear, make disciples, baptize them. But it's literally part of the same thought is, and teach them to obey all of my commands. That's like, that's in line with everything. You can't take that out. And I think that's kind of the problem that sometimes it's like, okay, we, we, we lead people through the sinner's prayer, we baptize them and we've done our job. But it's like, when you look at that commission, that's not the end of it. It's teach them to obey all that I commanded you. Um, and we can't miss that part. Um, that's a, a crucial part of this whole thing. I just, I'm thinking back to when I got baptized. So actually that makes me think of two things. One thing we should touch on a little later is just some of the confusion around baptism sometimes, especially I was baptized as an infant Mm -hmm. as well. I don't want to totally uh, dismiss that ever. Like I appreciate the fact that our faith meant enough to my parents that they chose to do that. Um, but I also chose to get baptized as an adult. And when I did get baptized as an adult, it was when our oldest son was an infant. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just know that when I made that decision, when I got baptized as an adult, it catapulted me into the next level of maturity spiritually. I didn't even know that was going to happen. And I feel like it's like if we're, I guess the examples or the analogy in my mind is like, let's say we're trying to like cut weight. Mm-hmm. We're trying to lose some weight. Um, sometimes we have to figure out how to create or make that into like a tangible goal that's in front of us all the time. And, and that is like, if we don't do that, sometimes it's, we're not successful, but then let's say it's somewhere in our home, we write that weight down and, and every day we see it and it's a constant reminder. And like just that little step makes all the difference with hitting that goal. Or if you're, you know, trying to work up to a weight with weightlifting could be the same thing. You, you write that down. And I just felt like when I got baptized, there was something about it that it, it took me to the next level because it was like, now in front of me all the time yeah and when we've been talking a lot as the church about this just this idea of milestones of of creating milestones for people because it does propel you if you look at any 
hobby, any, you know, interest, any self-improvement, the ones that stick are the ones that give people milestones where they feel a sense of progress because they've kind of felt like they've arrived at the next milestone and then it gives them something else to then focus on and they immediately know, okay, now here's the next step. And, um, you know, I think that baptism is one of those milestones for people. Um, I'm curious, um, Leslie, to just to even put you on the spot, in your faith, what have been just some milestones mm -hmm. that you felt like really helped you to feel a sense of, I hate to use the word progression, but I, even when I look at the Bible, it does talk about this progression of your faith, sure. going from a baby to yeah. an infant to someone who can eat meat, you know? Sure. I mean, there's definitely some, there were some major moments from early on in my faith, like, and I think I've talked about this before of, um, having different leaders pull me in, you know, and be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to show you the Bible. And I could ask really basic questions. What does this mean? And help me dig into that. Those were some really, in the beginning of my journey of having someone teach me how to read the Bible was huge. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say later on, almost to tie it to your message, it was some definitely refining fire moments yeah. and they were really hard moments yeah. in Dan and I's life just different you know trials that we were going through and that's why I loved even tying your message in of like it was funny my mentor had called them refining fire moments mm -hmm. and they really are those moments in life where you just you have a choice to like sink into them and just sink into like a victim or like a grief mode or to decide okay God I want to see what your plan is through this. Yeah. I want to see what you're going to do. And I just remember my mentor even really walking me through that. So even just to encourage people when you are going through that, to find someone who has gone through that fire to really give you that encouragement of like, I see what you're going through. Yeah. Let me help hold your hand to the other side. Yes. Yeah. To give you that encouragement to hold on to of like, you're going to get to the other side. And as much as you don't want to hear this, you're actually going to start to crave that refining fire because you see, just like you said with baptism, you're going to see Jesus in a whole much more powerful and tangible right. and real way. Yeah. Um, so as much as like you wouldn't think trials would be milestones, yeah, I would definitely say those have been the biggest, most growth areas in my faith to teach me like, oh, this this actually didn't break me. It made me so much stronger. It made me see how strong Jesus is. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I saw a quote the other day that I thought was, was perfect. And it said, growth is struggling with new things. Um, and I, I love that because so often we think of growth as like, I don't struggle anymore. Sure. And it's like, no, growth is like you struggle with something a little bit harder. And that's if you look at weightlifting, like that's growth is you don't ever want, if you ever get to the point where what you're doing, you don't have to struggle with it, then you're stagnating. But you want to be like, hey, when I, I used to squat 135 and could barely get up and now I can barely get up at 155. That's growth. And I think that you're right. Those milestones are like, okay, what I used to consider a storm, I don't consider a storm anymore. I still have storms, but... It takes a little more now for it to feel like a storm for me. But you never want to get to that point where you don't have storms anymore. And so I think, and that's what just for those who are listening, we talked about suffering, 
we're kind of talking about love and where first Corinthians 13 I read out a King the new King James where it says love suffers long and is kind and we just kind of talked through um, trying to and we I think we talked about this a little bit last week on the podcast of just redefining suffering mm-hmm. as Christians reclaiming that original view of suffering that we used to have in which we would we would take it on and the Bible says it's our glory and we've really lost that in the church in America especially I would say other churches in other countries probably have that but we've kind of given that up and that's where we talked about the victim mentality and all that and I think it's really seeped its way into the church so it was just a sermon of just can we start to maybe look at suffering a little bit differently as Christians Leslie I love what you said about the victim mentality. Um, And I just think about even some trials that my wife and I have gone through in the past year. And sometimes when we go, like the word that keeps coming to my mind is despair. I think we all experience despair and we're all going to experience more despair. And it's like society's way of dealing with despair is figure out how to avoid it. And then try to figure out how to make it go away as fast as we can. Um, but that, again, is kind of like the victim mentality. It's like despair is this thing that we like we don't want to get stuck with. But when, when we have been through it a few times and we realize what it produces, now all of a sudden despair, when we experience it, there's like this weird almost like, I, I welcome it, even though I know it's really hard and there's parts of it that, you know, there's moments, even even when we do welcome it, there's still going to be moments where we're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. <laughs> right. right. But we say that to ourselves, and, and that creeps in in moments, but generally speaking, overwhelmingly, as we go through it, we just know we're going to make it through it and we know that it's going to produce something. And you see the fruit it produces, and you see, like, only God could have done this. Yeah. Not, not just God could have done this, but only God can make this sort of beautiful fruit. Yes. And you're so in awe of what God brought you through. You're like, oh, this produced amazing beauty out of really hard stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I agree. I think one of the hardest things is how do we define make it through it? Because I agree. You are going to make it through it. Mm-hmm. But... That does not mean that you're not going to suffer loss. You might not come. So to to go to our mill analogy of what a mill does, it refines us and we come out different. Or whatever comes into a mill comes in as some kind of raw material and comes out as a whole different product. And what does that is refinement. And that's what happens when we go through trials and despair is there's going to be times that we do make it through it, but we're not the same. Absolutely. Well, and there's going to be times where things don't work out the way we want them to. Like, you know, you could have a situation where, okay, I'm struggling at work. Um, I'm not getting my stuff done very well. My bosses are upset at me. And you can be like, okay, this is a trial and I know I'm going to make it through it. But you still might get fired. 
Like that, that still might happen. And, and you still might go through a season where that really hurts your, your finances and you're, you're clawing and scraping. And all of that could be exactly God's plan. He could still be growing stuff. And I think that that's where people get really discouraged is if you, if you view this is all going to work out for my good as nothing bad will happen then you're going to be really discouraged and shocked. But if you view it as like, hey, like, I have no idea how this is going to go. There may be six things that happen that I really don't want to happen, but I honestly know at the end of the road, this will be okay. This will be for my good. And the end of the road might literally be this, this will actually kill me. And then I'll go to heaven and I'll be okay. And it's, I think it's that mindset that, that we have to understand. Because if you, if you sell it wrong to people of like, God's going to make this work out. And they take that as, well, that means that I'm not going to have to suffer or, or this isn't going to fall a, a way that I don't want it to fall. Then when it does, and it, I mean, I think in all of our life, we've had it where we've prayed for something and we really prayed and we gave it to God and it just didn't crack out the way we were hoping it would. And to keep hope in that, to me, is the trick of not being so sold out on this has to work out this way. And that's how God's going to show his goodness is by this working out this way. Because then you are really limiting what God can do and you're putting him in a box. And I have found that that's not a great, that's not a great uh, strategy for, for the Christian faith. So I heard this beautiful analogy. I'm kind of a, a visual analogy person yeah. like you guys have been. And um, it was, we were very encouraged with it when, when Fiona was born, our daughter. So our second daughter was born and she had Down syndrome and we didn't know. And it was just kind of a curveball. Eh? Life didn't turn out maybe. We just, you know, we're caught off guard. What do we do with this? Yeah. And there was this analogy that someone explained to us it was like you're on a, you're going on a trip and you're going to Spain mm-hmm. and you're all excited and you've researched Spain and you're going to go here and it's going to be great and then all of a sudden you're in the plane and they say hey so we're going to touch down in Norway mm-hmm. and that's where you're landing yeah and you're like but I was going to Spain yeah I'm prepared for Spain this is what God told me we're going to Spain right. and they're like no no you're going to go to Norway now right and it's going to be different and beautiful Mm -hmm. you're like but I wasn't ready I don't know how to do this and I think life does life Mm -hmm. throws a curveballs you know kind of you said we'll pray for something and then that thing won't happen you're like God what did I do wrong God why are you not giving me what I asked for or whatever it may be you know you go through that trial and it doesn't always turn out the way it may turn out horribly yes but you get there and you're gonna go okay God you're still here you're still good you're still in charge and you still love me. Yes. And what am I going to choose to do with that? Yeah. Kind of going back to that victim. Am I going to choose mm-hmm. to just be grumpy the whole time and hate this? Or I can open my eyes and choose to see God's goodness yeah. in wherever he may take us. Yes. And know that he has this plan yes. and it's going to be okay. Even if it doesn't look like what we thought it would look like. And that's what I think is that love that yes. God has that ultimate love for all of us. Yes. And so maybe you're in the plane and you don't know where you're going, or maybe you're going through some trial, you've landed and you're a little disorientated, but just know like God is with you. Yeah. He already has this planned out. Yeah. 
He loves you. Absolutely. And he's going to show you something new through it, which will be exciting. Man, I, I resonate so much with that story. And I think, I think what even adds to it, if I can add to it, because obviously Les and I have dealt with infertility, which is a different story, but I think you probably can resonate with this as well. It's not just that you were planning to go to Spain, but that's where everybody goes. Like that's since you were little, it was like, this is what you do. This is success as you grow up and you go to Spain. So it's not just I was preparing for Spain. I was expecting Spain. It was like, but this is what you're supposed to do. I'm now I can't be what I'm supposed to be because everyone's supposed to go to Spain and you have to deal with that idea of like, okay, I don't get to be that person. Um, and I think that's the hardest thing with suffering and going back to what you said, Jason is it changes you. And sometimes it's hard because even though that changes what you need, it, it doesn't line up with what you wanted to be in order to show yourself as successful or show yourself as having arrived or being, you know, someone who is quality. And there's times where, where you're forced. And I think for me, one of the, the biggest breakthroughs I had was just realizing that there is no normal. There is no Spain. That's, that's a lie. And we're all, and every person that I talk to feels like they haven't arrived at Spain. And I finally was like, is anybody there? Has anyone gotten to Spain? And none of us have. And so it's, it's about letting go of Spain in general yeah. and just saying uh, wherever I'm brought to is where I'm supposed to be. But it's letting go of that idea of Spain's where I'm supposed to be because no one's there. No one's arrived there. And if you honestly talk to people, everybody feels the same way. There's something in their life that they feel like has, has sidetracked them from where they're supposed to be. And so I, I just think that it is such a freeing thing. And that's where you let go of the victim mentality is there is no Spain. Nothing's been taken from me. Because that thing that I think that I deserve or where I, I was supposed to go doesn't actually exist. That was never taken from me. And if I can just add a little bit to that story, there's a lot of people who spend their life in shackles because they perceive everyone else around them as going to Spain. Yes. They yep. think they're they think they've made it to Spain. Yep. And so they resent the fact that they were able to make it. Yep. Or that those around them were able to make it, but they weren't. So and that's what you're, you're absolutely right. And I'm just going to, this is what I do. I take metaphors so far that then people are like, wait, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. And like, all this podcast was about yes, travel. Yes, exactly. I don't know. They talked about Spain a lot. I don't really know. But to me, it's, we do that on purpose. So what we do is like, all right, I land in Norway instead of Spain. But I, my whole life, I've been taught that everyone's going to Spain. That's how you succeed. That's the good life is in Spain. So I find a place in Norway that kind of looks a little bit like Spain. I take a picture, I put it on social media, and I tell everybody yep. I've arrived in Spain. So now everybody else thinks Spain must be real because they arrived there. So how come I can't? And I have completely lied. Now again, it's I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm trying my best to feel some source of I, I'm okay, I have value. But I think like that's that's my heart for so many Christians is like, can we just be honest? Yes. 
I'm not in Spain. Spain doesn't exist. I didn't get to arrive. I, I, this is where I'm at. And it's going to be different than where you're at. But can we be honest and, and let go of it? Because again, I think that's part of the problem is we try to represent ourselves as, as being in that place of having arrived where we're supposed to be. And so we all are like feeling left out. So then it's like, well, everyone else has arrived. Everyone else gets all the breaks. Everyone else is, is where they're supposed right. to be. And, and I'm the one that just doesn't get the breaks. And then when you, when you allow yourself to resent everyone else because you perceive them as getting what you can't have, not only are you, th- that's really unfair to yourself because you're just putting yourself in a miserable place but it's also not fair to those people as well because just as you said, almost nobody just has a clear sailing trip to there, you know, and and so everyone has their own story of struggles and turbulent waters and all of that that, yeah. that they experienced on their way to get there yeah. and to just resent them because they were able to achieve what you wish you could right. um, is not fair to you or to them. I really love what you said that's just the reality that Spain does not exist. Yeah. I think that's true. And I think what I'd add to that is even, and that's where God brings in it. That's the reality. And that's yeah. the freedom yes. part of God of going, stop clinging to Spain or even to Norway once you readjust your expectations yeah. to know that there's freedom in just going, God, you are it. Yes. No matter what life looks like, there's the good days, there's the baptism days, there's right. the really hard trial right. days, but really at the core of it's freedom to know, God, you are truly the only source and the only thing that's worth it. Right. Well, and you're, you, you nailed it. And I think I, I probably a sermon a few months ago, we just talked about this idea of like, it matters way more who you're going with than where you end up. Like you can go to the most beautiful resort and if you're with just like a energy draining, complaining person, you're like, this stinks. And, but you could literally go to the gas station and if it's with your best friend and you're joking around and you're laughing hysterically, you're like, this is awesome. And, and I think it's just getting even out of that mindset of the location in general. Like who cares? Like, it's it's about who you get to do this with and i think that the more that's that's been a rule that i have found is the more i look at circumstances like even if they're good even if i try to find gratitude in the circumstances it leads me to a bad spot um but the more i just look to the people i'm around the more that that just is a, it leads me to a place of much more healthy perspectives all around me. Cause it is, that's just a general rule in life. It is more important who you're with than where you are. That's just how it works. So is it fair to say that, um, we often focus on circumstances and stuff mm-hmm. and those are the things that cause us to totally miss the point? Yes. I think that's a, that's a really interesting question to ask, and I'll just even throw it back to you. Why, why do you think we do seem way more preoccupied with circumstances and stuff than with the people that we have in our life? Because we do tend to take for granted. Mm-hmm. Like we, We're all married to great spouses, and I would be the first to say I, I don't... 
I take that for granted. I don't really in the morning think how lucky am I, you know, in Proverbs to have a great spouse. Why do you think it is that we are so quick to look past the people in our life and it's so easy for us to get locked on circumstances? It's the same same exact thing that caused the Israelites to struggle with idolatry. Mm-hmm. We circumstances and stuff are symbols and icons and they all mean something and they're all tools that we can use to trick the world around us into believing something about us that isn't true and they're all ways for us to trick ourselves into thinking that something that isn't true and those things are a lot easier to manipulate and, and so those are the things we focus on because we use them to sort of create this narrative around us that we want. Yeah. What do you think? I think a great thing, I always find the antidote to that is, is thankfulness. Like you said, choose to be thankful for what's in front of you. There's always something. And actually, once you start listing things you're thankful for, it usually can become a really long list. And you're yeah. like, why, do I, why am I constantly searching for yeah. something else when God has blessed me with so much whether it be a spouse or whether it just be air to breathe yeah you know there's so many things we can be thankful for and it stops you looking out to other things and for more 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 yeah. whether the mm-hmm. idol the accomplishments the things you don't have and it helps you to focus on what god has blessed you with and to be content yes with just god and back to that I think it's easy for us to fool ourselves into thinking we can control circumstances. So it's like we tend to zero in on them because we feel like we have a sense of I can change this if I want to. Um, Where people, it's like we're not in control of people. Um, So we have to just appreciate them as they are or not. And so I think that it's harder for us to really zero in on things that we know we can't control but I think for me the antidote has just been realizing and that's as I get older I just realize I'm in control of so very very little that even circumstances I'm not in control of most maybe some of the small things on what I wear that day and stuff but so many of the circumstances it's like you're not in control of those either so you just have to zero in on like I said the more I focus on the people in my life the, the more I find joy and the less I feel like a victim. And so that's always been something good for me to remember. So do we want to do final takeaways? Sure. You start. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, and this is funny because we, like there was no prep work done for this at all. We just sat down, but I, I think it's, there is no Spain. I think that that's the, Spain doesn't exist. It is something that was made up. And even so did you re- just did you just name the title of this? Maybe episode? maybe I made your job easier. Yeah, there is All no right, Spain. That'll be, it's a good like that's a good hook of like what are they talking about? But I think it's like even going to the Bible. Where in the Bible does God lay out this like here's the right way to do life? Other than like his basic commands and following his commands, but I don't see anywhere where it's like okay you get married at this age. And then you buy a house, and then you have your first kid at this age, and then you have this many friends, and you do, like, there is I actually think the whole book of Job is to blow up any of that mentality. Like, that's the whole point of that book. Yeah. Yeah. Like, anyone who has any preconceived notion of what success looks like or what 
you know, life following Jesus is supposed to look like, and I shouldn't maybe say it like that, but like any, well, I guess that's maybe what I mean, yeah. but any, any uh, circumstance and stuff focus is just totally obliterated yeah. in that book. Absolutely. I agree. And I think, but I think if you were to ask the average Christian, honestly, tell me, do you think there's a right way? Do you think that there is a Spain? Most of us, if we were honest, would be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm not there and everybody else is. Mm-hmm. That, that would probably be where they honestly feel. I agree. I love, Jason, what you said about with Job and how it does, it blows things up. And I think the point is, too, is what is eternal? Mm-hmm. What yeah. will not go away? It's, it's God. Do you know God? Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Do you have that hope? Yeah. And that gratitude in your heart. And if you don't, life will be meaningless. Yes. Your stuff will go away. Your circumstance, you'll never get to Spain. Yeah. Or you do you realize it really wasn't as fulfilling as you thought it was supposed to be. Yeah. I, I think another way of saying that is what really matters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what I just feel. I feel like I need to say this just to anyone who's listening, that you're not, you're not getting left behind and you're not falling behind. Because um, that is, I think that is such a... I'm trying to think of the word, just a painful way to feel is when you feel like you, I, I remember all of my friends when I was in high school were a year older than me. And I remember there was in my high school, the senior class, they graduated a week before everybody else like got done. And so the last week, none of the seniors were there. And I remember when I was a junior, just how terrible that week felt. Cause you're just like, Oh, like everybody else is moving on and I'm just stuck and I'm all of my friends are gone. And I, I think just, I, I just want people to know that you're not getting left behind with life. Now, again, in your relationship with God, you should hope to get closer. But, um, I think it's, what's always helped me is the visual of like, you know, if, if you feel like life is like climbing this ladder, like it, there is no end of the ladder. Like, you will always be climbing while you're alive. Like, I've never met anyone that's, like, totally arrived, nothing left for me to do. I did it all. I'm good. Um, and so I would say that the person at the bottom of the ladder that's at least moving up is in a better place than a person way higher that's moving down. And so don't view it as that person is farther along, but just I'm moving in the right direction, and that's really all that matters because you're, you're going to be moving in one direction or the other your whole life. And so there really is no being left behind. It's just, am I right now moving in the same direction? And sorry to uh, completely just like take over, but I just really felt like I needed to say that to somebody um, who's feeling left behind and feeling like everybody else is further along and they're just stuck where they are. No, I think that's good. Any other final thoughts before we wrap it? No, we didn't we didn't really talk much about like the you know what confu- the going back to baptism and like how oh, it sometimes right. gets confused, but I think that's okay. I think um really like how this all comes full circle is like following Jesus is this constant refining process. And there's different moments and and we sort of talked about like milestones yeah. and and basically, we have to be careful how we talk about milestones because um, we could take that 
the wrong way when it comes to faith, but really what we mean is like, what are some indicators in our own personal journey that just show us that we are progressing? Like you talked about going up the ladder and and baptism is one of those. And I think as we go through some of the stuff that we talked about, that refining process, baptism is just one tangible way for us uh, to outwardly express that. So... I think it just goes back to the idea of work out your faith with fear and trembling. Um, yeah, milestones, it, I don't, there's probably a better term, but it's just some way to know what's next. Right. To know what to, what to look at next, so that way you have some direction um, in your faith journey. So, yeah, I agree. I think baptism is a huge, huge part of that. Right. You want to close us in prayer? Sure. Well, Lord, we just thank you uh, that the sun is shining in the window today, and we thank you for uh, the conversation that we had. Um, thank you that Leslie was able to join us and and share her wisdom as well. And we just pray for anyone who listens to this that something that was said here can be a spark of encouragement to them. And so we just thank you that you allow us to do this. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.